0: From Los Angeles, California, we present the program of The Voice of Prophecy, a voice crying in the wilderness of these latter days, Prepare ye the way of the Lord. Coming again,
1: coming again. Jesus is coming again.
0: And now our radio quartet, The King's Herald, Sing for us that great favorite, the Old Rugged Cross.
1: On a hill far away stood an old rugged cross, the emblem of suffering and shame. And I love that old cross where the dearest and best I've lost sinners lost slain So I'll take the old rugged cross Till my trophies at last I lay down I will cling to the old rugged cross Some day for the cross, to the old rugged cross, I will ever be true. Each shame and reproach gladly bear.
2: be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a living hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. O Lord, we pray thee to strengthen the hands of those men of goodwill who seek to end the tempest of war in a peace of security and freedom, and deliver the world from the terrors that possess it today. Bless the technicians and all who help to put this broadcast on the air to bless humanity. May it bring new courage and hope to those in every land who hear it. We ask through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. There is a place of
0: sent from the heart of God. Hold us who wait before thee, near to the heart of God.
2: Greetings to our radio friends, everyone and everywhere. I hold in my hand two thrilling letters from two of our boys overseas. The first is from an infantryman with the 5th Army in Western Europe. He writes to us, For some time we have been in combat on this battlefront. It is winter, icy and cold, and the enemy is firmly entrenched, tricky, and has disregarded all international laws of warfare. Your prayers will be fully appreciated. Thanks for the pamphlet you sent. Please forward any current reading material you may have. It surely will be appreciated. Yours for victory. A sergeant in a bomber crew wrote to us this month in reply to one of our recent letters to him. He wrote, Our plane was shot down while participating in a bombing raid over Romania. All of our crew members bailed out to safety. I was a prisoner of war for two months. When the Russians came through Bucharest, we were freed and taken back to our base in southern Italy. The hand of the Lord Jesus was surely with us. Then he concludes in his letter, I sincerely hope you will continue your gospel broadcasting. I think that radio is the key by which the word of God can go to the most people in the least time. Well, he's right, isn't he, friends? And we know you'll be praying for the Voice of Prophecy broadcast for all our boys over there. And now listen, as the King's Herald's bring a thrilling message in song, where the gates swing outward never.
1: Just a few more days to be filled with praise and to tell the old, old story. Then when twilight falls and my Savior calls, I shall go to
2: King's Herald for that song of heaven. And now, the voice of prophecy with a Bible message for today, prophecies of the resurrection.
0: Do men live after death? A great many people firmly believe that they do, and have even promised some loved one, or friend, that if such be the case, they would come back after death and appear to them. In a recent issue of the Watchman magazine, it's reported that a Mr. John Bowman, was so convinced that death was not the cessation of life that he created a fund to provide for the perpetual care of his house at Cuttingsville, Vermont, after his death. So for more than fifty years the furniture has been dusted, the beds changed weekly, and fresh food placed in the pantry. But according to the latest reports, Mr. Bowman has not returned to take his home. Another man who promised to come back from the dead, if it were possible, was Harry Houdini a great magician who spent the last years of his life exposing the trickery of some who claimed to be spirit mediums. Before his death in October 1926, he entrusted to his wife certain secret messages with the understanding that after he'd passed away, he would attempt to communicate them to her. Faithful to her part of the bargain, Mrs. Houdini attended hundreds of seances, kept a light burning before her husband's photograph for years, and on the anniversary of his death, every year made a futile effort to communicate with him. But no message ever came, and on February 1, 1943, near Needles, California, on a train en route to New York, she died without ever having heard one word from the one she loved so well. Harry Houdini had escaped from handcuffs, chains, ropes, straitjackets, locked trunks, rope-packing boxes, barrels. He'd been buried in sealed coffins, sewed up in canvas bags, stuffed into milk cans, and even riveted inside boilers and locked in safes but he always escaped. No locks or bars or bonds could hold him. His supposedly miraculous feats made him world famous. But while he escaped from every bond or restraint that men could devise, he could not escape from the grave. Neither Mr. Bowman nor Mr. Houdini has been able to come back. But people want to know, is there life beyond? Is there to be a resurrection of the dead? Will the loved and loving who have left us lonely here ever come back? Is the end of life as we know it here the end of everything? Never have people asked these questions more earnestly and more insistently than now, and why shouldn't they? Never have war losses touched more homes. Besides all this, in Europe and Asia, thousands, yes, millions of human beings have been swept away in scientific extermination enterprises beyond the dreams of past ages. Is man, after all, only an electrolytic battery and solution composed of 14 elements? Oxygen, hydrogen, carbon, nitrogen, phosphorus, sulfur, calcium, etc.? Is that all he is, waiting for dissolution back into the nothingness he set out from? No wonder men today think about a life after death. There are vacant chairs in millions of homes, and millions long for the touch of a vanished hand, and the sound of a voice that is still the very thought of extinction is repugnant to the human mind. In fact, we can't conceive of ourselves as not existing. In 1883, when old age was drawing near, the skeptical scientist Thomas Huxley wrote to a friend that the older he got, the more he disliked the thought of extinction. He said that all sorts of times the thought that in 1900 he would probably know no more than he did in 1800 flashed before him with a sort of horror. And he added, I'd sooner be in hell. He seemed to feel it would be better to be in hell alive than to cease to exist. However that may be, the human heart loves life. There's no doubt about that, and according to 1 Corinthians 15, 26, death is man's enemy, not his friend. So we ask the question, is death the end of existence? The answer, we turn to the Holy Scriptures, God's revelation to men. The answer in a few words is this, there is death, but there is also resurrection. To the man whose hope is in Christ, there is life beyond the tomb, endless life. It is said that early Christians inscribed upon their tombs the Latin word resurgon, meaning I shall rise again. There was certainty in their faith. They really believed something. They had no doubts about the future. And that was because they believed the Bible and its divine prophecies of resurrection. These prophecies are plain and clear in the Old Testament as well as in the New. These resurrection prophecies are not surmises, wishes, guesses, or even hopes. They are revelations from God. When we ask the age-old question, comes no answer from the sod. In the hour of loss and heartbreak, turn we to the Word of God. And what do we find there? In the Old Testament, first, the prophecy in Job 19, 23. Oh, that my words were now written. that they were printed in a book, but they were graven in an iron pen and lead in a rock forever. For I know that my Redeemer liveth, that he shall stand at the latter day upon the earth. And though after my skin worms destroy this body, yet in my flesh shall I see God. Second, we turn to Psalm 49, 15, and read a direct prophecy of deliverance from the grave in these words. But God will redeem my soul from the power of the grave, for he shall receive me. Third, we read the words of the mighty prophet Daniel, Daniel 12 and 1. Many of them that sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt. So we see in this passage the prophecy of the resurrection both of the just and of the unjust. Our Savior makes the direct and positive prediction that all that are in the grave shall hear his voice and shall come forth. They that have done good unto the resurrection of life, and they that have done evil unto the resurrection of damnation. Reading John 5, 28. So according to these prophecies of resurrection, not only may men live again, they must live again. All men, good and bad, will rise from the dead. Christian and skeptic, hypocrite and saint, merciful and murderous, ignorant and learned, rich and poor. Men who believed in life after death, and those who said death was an end, the end all the millions who slumber in the bosom of Mother Earth, all the nations underground, all the dead will rise again. David Livingston, who gave his life for the spiritual and physical redemption of Africa, whose heart is buried under the oak tree at Ujiji, and whose body rests in Westminster Abbey, will rise again. The lawyer who died last year in Brookline, Massachusetts, leaving in his will $100,000 for the benefit of his pet tomcat, Buster, and cutting off seven relatives because of their liege contempt for the said buster, will rise again. The apostle Peter, crucified head downward, it is said, because of his faith in Christ, will rise again. Voltaire, who it is reported, declared that while it took 12 men to found the Christian religion, he would prove that one could overthrow it, will rise again. Martin Luther, the great reformer, who said, I have often tried to notice the moment I either fell asleep or, I'll oh, wait, but I cannot. Sleep has overtaken me before I'm aware of it. So it shall also be with our dead in the resurrection, he said. That Luther who said that will rise again. Nietzsche, the atheist philosopher of the Superman, who called Christianity the one great curse, the one intrinsic depravity, will rise again. He will hear the voice of the Son of God and will come forth. So will those 11,000 children, victims of human sacrifice whose pitiful little skeletons were found by the archaeologists at Giza near old Jerusalem. Yes, they will live again, with all the victims of pagan cruelty and savage customs from every age. All the slain of all the wars will live again. The earth and sea will give up the dead, all the saints and sages and philosophers and writers and preachers, inventors, kings, emperors, presidents, the great and the small, the old and the young of all races and creeds and classes. All who have died on this earth from the last groan of Abel to the first blast of the resurrection trumpet shall live again. From the gates of Eden to the last syllable of recorded time, all that are in the grave shall hear his voice and shall come forth. Oh, there are lots of people that don't want a resurrection. Lady Anne Grimston was one of them. She said that there was no more likely likelihood of her resurrection than that uh, a tree should grow out of her body. Our friends didn't like to hear that, but she died in 1717 and was buried in Trevon Churchyard in England. In what was called an altar tomb covered with a huge stone slab years past. The great stone cracked open in the middle and a young tree pushed up its head. It grew to be one of the largest trees in Hertfordshire and its branches twisted around the tomb and lifted it above the earth. They also laid hold of the iron railing around the tomb and twisted the great iron rails like ropes and held them dangling in the air, a witness to the power of God. Some day, Lady Anne Grimston will rise again in answer to the voice of Christ. The fourth great prophecy, Isaiah 26, 19, Thy dead men shall live, together with my dead body shall they arise. Awake and sing ye that dwell in the dust, for thy dew is as the dew of herbs in the earth shall cast out a dead. Yes, the Old Testament prophets will rise with the New Testament apostles. Little do we realize the wonder of the human body. The blood vessels of an average-sized man were strung out in a straight line. That line would be more than 60 miles long. This is just one illustration of the complexity and marvel of man's body. If man's natural body is so wonderful, how infinitely more wonderful will be that spiritual body which is promised to all the children of God in 1 Corinthians 15, 44. fifth Christ's resurrection was foretold by David in a scriptural prophecy hundreds of years before it took place, Psalm 16, 9. Therefore my heart is glad, my glory rejoiceth, my flesh also shall rest in hope. For thou shalt not leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thine Holy One to see corruption. And According to the Apostle Peter, speaking in Acts 13, this is a prophecy of Christ's resurrection, was fulfilled when He arose on the third day, declared to be the Son of God with power, according to the Spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead, Romans 1.4. The sixth prophecy Christ promised His own resurrection in Matthew 20, 18. For speaking of Himself, He said that He would rise again the third day. This was literally fulfilled as we see in Luke 24, 1 to 7. The tomb of Christ is an empty tomb today. He's not in a coffin in Arabia with Mohammed, nor in the great earth mound in Shandong with Confucius, nor in the gilded pagoda in Rangoon with the finger bones or the relics of Gautama Buddha. No. A thousand times, no, he's not here. He's risen. Christ is risen. Christ is alive. He's not low in the grave today, but he's living, the living Christ, a living Savior, not in the grave where once he lay. This wonderful living Christ we look to now, every one of us. Yes, he arose and promises our resurrection in the seventh great prophecy, John 6:39. Read the fifteenth chapter of First Corinthians, the great resurrection chapter, and remember that that is the promise to all the people and saints of God. Three hundred years ago, Shah Jahan, the great Mogul of India, used to sit with Mumtaz Mahal, his beloved wife, in a lovely garden at Agra, and tell her of his love. He promised to build her a palace of such beauty that men and women would come from the ends of the earth to gaze upon it. And he kept his word. Twenty thousand men worked for nearly twenty years to build it. A fabulous fortune was spent. Nothing like it was ever seen on earth before, a dream in marvel. The famous Taj Mahal is a thing of beauty and of joy forever. But before it was completed, a beautiful Mumtaz descended for the eighth time into the valley of motherhood. This time death claimed There's as the sorrowing husband and lover sat above her body, he said, Oh, my beautiful Mumtaj, you shall have your palace, but now it must be your tomb. And today the two lovers sleep side by side under the moonlight of 300 years. The great lover of the ages has said to you and me, I've loved you with an everlasting love. He's gone to prepare a place for us, a palace never built with hands. The Taj Mahal required 20 years to build. God's palace of eternal love was in his plan from eternal ages. There, my friends, in that land of love and light forever, his people will be with him. He shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. And so when Christ, who is our life, shall appear, we shall all appear with him in glory.
1: Sometimes when I'm weary and longing for rest from the troubles that fret me stay, I may. Happy to know I'll be blessed When I've gone the last mile of the way When I've gone the last mile of the way And the darkness has turned into day I'll be happy with When I've gone the last mile When I've gone the last
0: mile of way. There are millions today who are going the last mile of the way. What will it be with you then? The Apostle Paul said the time of my departure is at hand. I fought a good fight, finished my course, kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day. Oh, well, my friend, that's your hope and mine. May God keep us true till the end of the last weary mile. Have faith in God, whoever you may be. Have faith in God, on land and on the sea. Have faith in God. He cares for you and me. Have faith, dear friend,
1: in God. Oh, saved.
0: keep thee, the Lord make his face shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee, the Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace.